and you know you need to focus on your studies and get your degree so and then you can come obviously this is not something which you going to overcome right so so i think that was a strong decision for every one of us and we all you know thought like we have to practically solve this rather than you know be emotional and you know take some uh, drastic steps so we have to be very cautious about things so we, so i said that and i gave my exams then i the day i gave my exams i took my flight to bangalore very next day and i was there with my dad i stayed there till so the treatment started was it was a sarcoma i don't know if you are aware about it it's, yeah, a, it's a yeah it's a soft tissue cancer mm-hmm. in the lymph system so the position where it grew was it was exterior deep place so it could have the surgery was there so he uh, he these people that did the surgery so there was doctors very in that time he was treating him he was a very nice doctor in manipal so he treated him there was a surgery was done to him and then uh, practice radiation was given mm-hmm. so it all went well actually and you know that was relieved and everything was going well obviously chemo was given but a very less amount of uh, you know dose was given since chemo is not that very effective in this type of cancer okay so it varies actually you know uh, some cancers are very receptive of, for chemo mm-hmm. but some other cancers they are not very receptive to chemo right so the radiation was given then i think uh, that point when we were very positive about things and the doctor gave us a lot of you know uh optimism we gave like you know things will be fine and we just said okay let's see this part is over so the surgery was done the radiation was uh, being done so in during the radiation and the surgery there was this risk of this feet will be might get you know uh senseless and this it may it might get paralyzed so that was always a risk involved in it because there was this, this tissue where it was cancer it was very much you know um was adjacent to a nerve so the nerve was very much close to it okay. so to carve out that tissue there was always this risk to damage the tissue as well so the doctors were uh, you know uh, they told us about this we, we will be trying our best but again this risk will be there so there might be uh, you know something that he, he might get paralyzed or he, he can't walk again as normally as he is doing now mm-hmm. but again we took that risk like this let's like, we don't have any choice right what what would we do just uh, we have to uh, go ahead with it so we paid a lot of right you know let's see the damage is minimum mm-hmm. so eventually the surgery was done radiation was done so by end of it so the doctor came up and he checked so actually what happened is he uh you know uh, the feet i would say the the, the last you know the, the what he call it it's the the feet part it was paralyzed it was senseless so our nerve ending tied in our feet okay. so that he couldn't sense his feet so it was not actually paralysis but again if you are walking you need to sense right your feet is hitting the ground right so his right leg what happened he couldn't feel that his right leg is hitting the ground so in the way of walking you know it changed because though he was walking fine but again he couldn't feel it right, right? if you can't feel your right leg right. sitting on the ground then you obviously your 
the way of walking will change. Yeah. You know, right. That's what happened, and that was I think it was a minimum for us looking at the danger as we compare with it. It was a very minimum damage we could have expected, so we were happy about it. Okay, let's right. get over with it, and like okay, it will be fine. And we got time, and like we 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 recovered well, and. It was happening around Diwali only, or uh, it was uh, it was in 2014. I'm talking. It yeah. happened in 2014. 2014 Diwali. Yeah, Diwali. Yeah, uh, I got to know about it. So let's say this is this happened. This argument happened after Diwali. Let's say four four months. Four months. Within four months, this all happened. Okay, within four months, fine. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. After that, it was almost fine. So, doc, what the doctor said, he said that you need to come for regular checkup. Like there was always this risk that this uh, uh, issue, uh, this cancer cell, might come up in some distant part of your body. Mm-hmm. That's what they call recurrence. Yeah. So that something threat was always there. Mm-hmm. So, in every three months, he used to go and have a checkup. So that. Was actually a very scary part for all of us because we used to dread this checkup because we know like anything can come up wrong. You know we so that was something I guess every every uh, family goes through. They have a cancer patient in the family. Like these checkups are always very scary because we hope that that nothing comes up wrong and and we always get scared, right? Mm-hmm. So so I think this took a lot of. Emotionally, you would say, and especially my sisters and my mother, they had to, you know, go through a lot uh, because you know every three months it's like a dagger hanging up your head, like anything can happen. So you know, living in constant fear. Right. So what will happen and what will you do? What if it comes again? Okay, this time so it's over and all this thing. So eventually, for a year, it was fine. Actually, so he went for a checkup, and he used to get positive results. Okay, no appearance and all. So we thought for one within one year, I think 2015, he was quite you know he recovered well and he was fine. So initially, we got positive. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, things are turning good. But what happened? Uh, by end of 2015, I would say hmm. this thing again recurred. Okay. So this time, uh, unfortunately, it recurred again. Something where surgery could not have been done. Okay. So we went to this time. We went to Manipal back again. Mm-hmm. So we went. Uh, we we came to Ames. Del- so okay, before Ames. In uh, Delhi, yeah, in Delhi. In so Delhi, we we came here. So before in there was some, you know, we got this. I would tell you some alternative. You you talked about alternative medicine, so I would also mm-hmm. tell you the story. So in all these in between these things, before the COVID thing happened, and mm-hmm. we came to in. Back then, my sister she shared with me as a blog. There was about uh, some Yashi Dantan, this doctor. Yeah. He 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 resides in Kamshala in uh, Matiorganj. Okay. He is in Matiorganj and he is the private doctor of uh, uh, Dalai Lama. Okay. So he he uses some kind of Tibetan medicines and they say that. Yeah, uh, I have heard about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, he heard about it, right? Yeah. So my sister, she shared with me a link. So I was in Delhi that point of time, and uh, she she told me, see if you can go and see whether this is this works or not. Mm-hmm. What if this thing works and yeah. dad has dad should dad would not have to go through all these toxic, you know, medicines and all. Right. All these treatments. So again, since when you have don't you don't have anything to you know. Uh, you try to leverage all options with all right options. Yeah. You go to uh, a, you don't think much. Right. Let's try it. Like what yeah. you have to lose. You have what nothing to lose. So it was a page I got, and there was no not much details on it. So it was just a name on it, and he in that it's written that you will get the medicine from this time to this time, and these other things you have to do, and everything is done. Man, like me, manual. There's no online. There's no. Right, right. Uh, you have to physically be there. Yeah, you have to. Visit. You don't do order anything and all this stuff. Yeah, so I went there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was even though I was the uh, I was the apprehensive because you know uh, again these things you hardly believe in it, right? Right. Whether it will work or not. So this was always there. Me. So when I reached, I was very shocked. So, uh, what I saw is this guy. He started delivering this booking. He used to book. Okay, mm-hmm. what they should do? They will give you a date. Based on that booking, they will give you a date, and on that date, you have to bring some sample. So okay. uh, I'll tell you what happened in the booking. So I went there. I was shocked to see so many people rushing. So it was actually the office of that uh, of that person of the clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that used to open by ten o'clock, mm-hmm. and you won't believe by three in the morning. There were already hundred people. What? You know, three in the morning. Queue. Yeah, three in the morning. Can you believe that? Three in the morning. Oh my God! I I, I saw that rush and I was shocked. I was like, "Where the hell did I come here? Like, really? what was it?" And I and seriously, while I was standing in the queue, I am I am talking to people around me. Okay, what is your case? You know, yeah. Because most of them are hmm. are uh, have cancer patients. Some they have their parents, some of their child, and everything. So every sort of people. Even I came across a wife of a major. In the, uh, his husband was an, in Indian Army. So okay. I was shocked. Even I saw some. You know, eventually most of them I thought must be you know villagers or mm-hmm. maybe not uh, you know uh, educated people. Educated, yeah, yeah. Because you know most of these people believe in this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But even I was uh, shocked to see some very educated people also, including me. I was standing there in the queue. Right. Right. Uh, so I thought it must be something. Mm-hmm. If so many people are standing in the treatment, and so many people share their story. Yeah, uh, this thing really worked. Uh, my this uh, my son, my father, my mother had this thing, and she had this medicine, and she recovered, and it was a magic for us, and all these things, and this thing really worked. Mm-hmm. So I was I got optimistic about it. So mm-hmm. I went there and got the booking. So. So I got a booking about almost two weeks after that. All right. To visit. Yeah. So I told Dad about it. So even he was, I was was hard to convince him. He was not very sure. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. because he was himself, himself from medical background. He all his life he spent on medicines and all. Okay. He came from pharma company. So he said these are all bullshit things and. All right. Uh, yeah. So it was hard to convince. But then I told, what I told him, we are not stopping you from. Right. You know, uh, doing the main treatment, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, we are doing the main treatment, but what is harm in it? Like, it's some herbal thing. It won't do any harm, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. So he said, okay, I'll come anyway. I have to come tell you, so we can 
four there also. So mm-hmm. he came to Delhi. So we took a bus and we went there. And he, the doctor, he examined him. And he was uh, quite a savage. <laughs> he was a very strange man. He didn't understand any. He didn't understand Hindi. And mm-hmm. English, I would say, he used to speak in a break. You know, not very fluent in English also. So he, I don't know what he was speaking. <laughs> they were discussing in some in some own language and in, in you know in a in Tupi Tupi English Hindi I would say he was speaking. So this guy from Dharamsala, you're talking about him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Yashid Hondam, his name is Yashid Hondam. I'm not sure he is still there or not. Okay. But uh, I found him very popular there. Like people know him. Yeah. And a huge rush is there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if he's still there, like people must be going out there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, so we got this. You know, he gave some puriyas. He would say like you know, uh, like hajmula candies. He would say so different different puriyas. He used to give, okay. and they they have a medicine corner. He used to write proper prescription over there. So I was like, okay, like they had a very good coordinated and strict you know guidelines. Like no special treatment to anyone. As like, you have huh. to stand in the queue to get the booking, right. and every day he used to only. See forty patients. That's it. If you don't get in that forty, you will be moved to the next day. That is how they keep it day. Sorry, I didn't get you. So uh, he had a strict, you know, rule that uh, he will only visit forty patients a day. Okay, okay, okay. I get, yeah. it. I get it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. If you are not so, in forty, you have to wait for another. Day. Yeah, you have to wait for another day. That is how they used to manage the day. Okay. So to keep a logbook and everything they do did it manually. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, quite uh, you know impressed with the way they were doing it in a very small scale, but still in a very efficient way. Yeah. So and it is said that we can we, we can uh, you know courier you the medicine. Mm-hmm. So if you get where you know if you get diagnosed there, you can get the medicines by courier. You can reorder them. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was something which was you know a benefit for the audience just to bring the medicine there. So go. Right, right. So you just have to visit there once. Yeah, you have to visit there. Give them the you have to take the patient, mm-hmm. or you can take the urine sample. Okay. Yeah, so that will that will come to you later. So okay. uh, we came back and my dad started taking the medicine. All right. So initially, I would say there was this pain in his. Five again. That uh, part was there, but again he got some relief, and mm-hmm. we got and we were in constantly. We were also having the parallel treatment going on, so we had this uh, that uh, kind of uh, uh, ultrasound. So we saw that thing actually, you know, reducing in size. Okay. So that was some miracle, you know. Even it was like a very small three centimeters, you know. I would say three centimeters, not even three centimeters. Two and a half centimeters kind of, slightly mm-hmm. got reduced. So it was a big. I was very optimistic about it. I I thought like okay, this is something we got and this will work. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, 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 next I I took my dad's sample, urine sample, and you know, checked the urine. It was a very clear thing that he used to you know clear the urine and used to I don't know how he got it something out of the urine that you see again he gave medicine. Okay. That was a strange, you know, medication process I've ever seen. Like, uh, he used to just check the uh, patient's urine sample. Okay. And that was very interesting, and I didn't see anything like that before ever. Hmm. So, anyways, uh, we again I I used to bring the medicine, but eventually what happened in AIMS, 
the doctors you know discussed and we all came to know that that like the lump which my dad had it was somewhere positioned very inward so uh, the okay. point is what I'm trying to say it can't be surgically removed right so there are places where the you know the scissors and the knife you can't get into right 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 you can't and uh, you can't surgery out everything right. So surgery was ruled out, and that was a very big shock for us because actually then there's nothing much left to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the thing is always there, right? right? You can't take it out, and you have to live with it. So it was like something very disheartening for us. It was very unfortunate. Had it been like it would have been come up in some different place, yeah. it would have been a different story entirely. Mm-hmm. So okay, so we we had the doctor here. Uh, Doctor Samir Rastogi. So he actually took his, took up his case. He was an oncologist, and uh, he he started giving chemo and all. So chemo actually didn't respond well, and my dad got really sick after that. So this all went for almost one year, and I would say from that point of time, when the chemo started, his health started deteriorating very fast. Okay. So everything changed, like. Uh, All that optimism gone, and he used to, mm-hmm. you know, I would say he gave up on that uh, medicine also. Like on the news, he devised to give him, and I don't know what he lost faith in that medicine also. He said that not working, so mm-hmm. I stopped. Uh, although I, I again, I used to go there and bring the medicine for him, but again he didn't responded well on that medicine also. Eventually, I had to drop it, mm-hmm. and then. So at that one point of time, the chemo was being given, but actually there was no size decrease in the size of the uh, yeah. Uh, tumor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even the doctor said, "Okay, so let's see." So he said, "See, what we can do uh, is there is one other option that is there's one uh, medicine called phasopanic." So he said, "See, this is the last resort, and uh, we can give him phasopanic, but the problem is his age is the factor." Because phasopanic is a what was very you know I would say very toxic medicine. Okay. It's a targeted chemotherapy. It's yeah, like, I understand. Like, a chemotherapy is like uh, it runs all through your body. It destroys even the life cells also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that medicine was a targeted uh, medicine, and it does chemo for that only part. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he said, and he said many cases are there. So doctors they just pull up cases for you. Mm-hmm. Like to give you more positivity, positivity, and you see, like we have so many cases, and where the patients have responded well, and they are living on this medicine for five years, ten years. Okay. Okay. So we got, but we you know we got some. I would say, what kind of doctor would teach you? Ray of hope, right? Yeah. Ray of hope, you would say. So, and I talked to dad, but he said, "See, this is again a risk. It's like a, it's a." Gamble, like yeah, it is a gamble. If you give this, it can deteriorate more. Mm-hmm. So it's like a one shot. Whether you get through it or whether it will again make things worse. Right. So this was the point of time where I still, you know, I still remember I had this tough conversation with my dad, and it was I didn't share it with my mom uh, even after he died. After like almost uh, one year, I didn't share it with him with anybody. I kept it inside me. I had this conversation with him, and he said, "Like, Ethan, I have gone through a lot. Okay, mm-hmm. I know what I'm going through." And he said, "Let's do it." And I was like, "Dad, you know what you're talking about, and if this thing doesn't work, so he said, it's on me." Mm-hmm. 
So that was something I said. I was like, I was very confused. I'm uh, to be honest. At that point, I was. I know dad was actually suffering, so he wanted to get. He get rid of that, right? Anyone would like to. No one. I I saw him. He used to be in pain. He wouldn't believe that. He used to take these uh, painkillers, and that was like a such high level painkiller, morphine. Morphine, if you okay. yeah, morphine is like the most highest level of painkiller. Right. That that kind of painkiller you give. To a gun shoot, gun shot wound. Right. right. So, like you don't have that. Beyond that, there is no such extreme painkillers. Yeah. So even after taking morphine, I used to sleep in this place for nights. Even sleep for days. Okay. I used to check him on his room and he used to keep waking up because of the pain. Right. So everything was around me. I was observing everything, but again. Obviously, you know, you don't want to lose a person, right? Exactly. So, I was very confused. I said, Dad, please think about it. Like, you know, the pros and cons. So he said, if you, if you all we have hope is this. Mm-hmm. If we get through, we, we will find. And even if we don't, what am I in a better position? Do you think I can sustain this? So again, it is my dad. My dad, he was from medical he background, and he knew things like he has seen. A lot of death in his life, and mm-hmm. I know that uh, dealing with that kind of person, he had that kind of mindset. He was a mentally very tough person, I would say, and like I'm not nowhere close to him when it comes to mentally toughness. The way he dealt with it, mm-hmm. I don't know, like if any other person can talk in that way. So he he told me, and then I consulted the doctor. So he also said, "See, we know you want uh, your dad to be here, but again, this is the last chance we have." If we don't give it, the, even the that little ray of hope, it will eventually vanish away in in very in very near time. And then you won't have any other option also. Okay. Now at least you have one option. Right. And again, even if something happens, do you think it's feasible enough to keep a person in that kind of state, mm-hmm. even if you love him? Like like you, you just want him to be alive, just for the sake to be alive. Right. Not the way of the kind of life. So mm-hmm. the quality of life is also matters a lot. Right? Exactly. So that 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 way I learned something that it's not matter how much you live. You know, if you're living in a very bad way, so that's not called a living, right? Yeah. So that was something I got. You know, realization was there that I can't be selfish enough because for the sake of that having that status, yes, my dad is alive, and I'll keep him.
that medicine had that same effect again you know it took a toll on his body so after taking that medicine i would say for like one month he, he had that medicine but his again health deteriorated a lot and eventually i had to there was an emergency condition happened in 2016 mm-hmm. so it was on 26th of november uh, sorry uh, 23rd of september Mm-hmm. So it happened to the third of September, and we went for a regular. So, so while taking this medicine, we have to keep a regular, uh, uh, what do you call it, a check test. You know, where you just check the heart and all. Okay. So uh, I don't remember the test actually. So specifically, uh, so you can Google it right there. Uh, uh, I don't remember the name actually right now. I don't know. So it was something where they check your heart condition. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, it's working fine on us. So the doctor said keep a close eye on it. So mm-hmm. if something more dangerous is complication, then and there. So mm-hmm. we went for a test, and that test while having the test, my dad had a swelling on his face and everything. Face. So yeah, yeah. In the morning, we I woke up and I saw him swelled up, like his his face got swelled up and all everything. So I. I just took a picture to him, and I sent that. I mailed that to my doctor, and he said, "You know, uh, he said stop that medicine right now and get that test done as soon as possible." So I went for the test, and when I when I was getting the test done, the mm-hmm. you know these are the doctors for to do tests, right? They who do to do these tests. So they tested that uh, his heart condition and all, and they told me. He talked to me like, "Your dad's heart is." Working just twenty two percent. Sorry, your dad's heart. He said that my dad's heart was working for just twenty two percent. Okay. Okay. And he said anything can happen. While even I'm speaking, anything can happen. So take him to a hospital as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And that was a moment where I got all fused up. I I didn't know how what to do, and I just thought, oh my God, what would I do now? Hmm. And uh, there was my friend, very close friend. He was with me, so me, my dad, and my friend was there. So I told him, uh, "Okay, you drive the car because I was not in that state of yeah." I, I understand. I understand. So you drive the car, and my dad, he he under he understood something. He, he I don't know what he said. Obviously, it's his, it's his body. He he was understanding everything. Obviously, he got. You can only get the test. Like we, as a, other people who are not who are not dealing with that. That we can only get to know through this test. Yeah. That a, a person who is experiencing this, right. he knows like what's going on in his body. Right. Right. So he said, uh, "Call your mom. Tell, we'll take her along with me wherever wherever we are going." So I called my mom. I said, "Come downstairs as soon as, as soon as possible. So we will pick you up and we'll go to the hospital." So we went. We picked up our mom and we went straight. I called the doctor who was treating him, and he said, "He said, bring him to him. I'll get him." You know, uh, getting admitted as quick as possible. So it was in the South Asian. It was in Kadu, was in Kadu region. We went there. So we talked with a couple of doctors. So we, you know, again, it's tough to get into ins and all this sort of thing right. in emergency and all. But again, we had that kind of, uh, you know, people who knows who know who knew the case and the doctor was quite helpful uh, with me. So he he just called a few people and we went smooth and we filled up few forms and he was admitted. Okay, so he was admitted, and uh, so after, so actually the then I in the evening there the 
the cardio specialist he came up and and my sister she from bangalore she also came by that point and i called everyone and mm-hmm. uh, so i knew like anything can happen right now yeah. so i called my sister and come up uh, something is wrong so she came up and and by evening she was there she was in delhi so we were sitting in front of the doctor of the cardio so he was a cardio specialist now we have the cardio specialist now we have the cancer the oncologist so they had a chat because obviously the and the cardio doctor had to know about the his condition his past medical past so they had a chat with him and they talked and then the cardio doctor called us up and he said in a way you know doctor's language that nothing can be done by us hmm. all we can do we can support him we can feed him in ventilator we can support him we will give him life support as much as needs it hmm So there is no question in that we will give him as much as we can. But again, the recovery part is all up to him and to God, and there is nothing much we can do. Hmm. So, so I showed him every report and all those things. I gave him the history and all, so he understood it. And my sister, she had a hard time believing it, so she couldn't get it. What he was trying to say, yeah. and she was like, "He is a doctor. He should he should be doing something, right? How can a doctor say like I can't do anything?" Mm-hmm. I understand. Should we move to match? Should we? She and she was like, you know, fighting with me, and there was again a confusion that should let's take him out of there. Yeah, let's take him. Ah, uh, let's take him to some private hospital. So let's go to this, that. I said, you know, we are the best doctors in the country, hmm. and I have seen so closely how these hospitals work, how these private hospitals work, and how even the entire healthcare is there. And I have seen the. Amount of experience these AIMS doctors have, you won't find it anywhere else. And I have seen them, them actually, you know, giving uh, advisory to these private hospitals. So I told her, see, you know, do you want someone to give you something which you want to hear, or you want to know the truth? So there's a difference. Maybe you don't like it, but it's the truth. Yeah. So it's, it's just you know you have to be very honest about the situation. You can't you know just. Uh, Uh, out of emotionally, you just hang on and go to the people who is, you know, giving your story which you want to hear. Right. And that's what that's most of the people do. They right. just run away from doctor to doctor, and that deteriorates a lot because you are you are again moving the patient in that critical state. Yeah. And I was like, moving out. At least he's getting a life support here. How can we move him out from here? Yeah. And even if there's a risk involved, and the doctor said, if, and, and then again you had a discussion with the doctor. How about doctor? We can go to any other doctor. And over any other hospital, can you recommend us like something? Can you done there? Is that even if you take it to the U.S. to the U.S., I can arrange a call with a doctor in the U.S. He will tell you the same thing. But again, if you want to take him out, I we won't stop you. But whatever it happens in between, we don't take any kind of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So they said you have to you have to sign up this form, and then only you can take him out. Saying it. That you are taking your dad on your own responsibility, and anything happens on the way, or if anything happens out of it, he doesn't take any responsibility of that. Yeah. So again, uh, we discussed, and we said, let's wait. So my dad and twice we used to stay with him at the night, and, and so we used to you know switch and stay and. Be there with him all the time. Mm-hmm. For two days, I, I, so my sister used to stay with him at the night, and then on the Saturday night, I, I was staying with him. So, I stayed with him all night, and by Saturday, he was talking. I think 
gibberish and he was like he was he was able to recognize i don't know uh, he was not able to recognize properly and when he came back he used to say okay you came from school so he was talking okay. all these things like he went back on time actually he yeah. tell yeah or like a lot of things that you know he used to tell me before like you all in my childhood i used to you know destroy a lot of i used to lose sense a lot so every time i went to school i used to lose uh, lose one one or two pen and every day uh, i my dad used to complain that uh, you're not careful enough and every time you have to buy a new pen so mm-hmm. so he said you know, this time you won't be getting any new pen you will have to take you see you uh, careful about your pens and how is your school going on so everyone was saying he's doing a job right now he's doing well in school but there was uh, again uh, those memories are there so mm-hmm. it's on 26 on 25th of morning to sunday so around i would say 9 uh, around 10 o'clock in the morning so he passed away so there was this user was there and he just succumbed and i think by that time every was prepared because two days back he had that kind of conversation with the doctor and just and i knew this was just a matter of time so yeah 25 September 2016 yeah 25 September so yeah, that is that's it that is the story i'm so sorry about the loss man sorry i'm so sorry about your loss uh it's okay it's okay and I, i know uh and after that uh, i joined uh, we may after two years i'm still working with us uh, we have a society kitchen takoma society and we work with him and this doctor we are working with and we are you know trying to make some support with meeting p2 for these cancer patients so i'm still there okay. i'm still you know in touch with these places because it has been a very It, it, uh, what i would say it actually changed me a lot as a person this experience yeah. i it changes uh, I mean, yeah 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 it changed completely because uh, before that thing happened i was not serious about anything i was um, i was a chap which was like, i was least serious about life i took everything for granted i took everything i took i never i was never serious about it but this after he left i had a drastic change in my life and i knew so i knew what he wanted me to be i i got to know what i have to do now so whatever i had you know i had to go live with that but one thing i would i will i would always cherish and i would share this with people who go through losses is you have to keep that person you know with you always because these like you know when it's your dad when it's your husband when it's your wife you know these people these are like your you live up with them you you know they are your integral part so you right. that doesn't vanish away yeah right so now what happens we are in that position where i will not cry while talking about him hmm. but yes every day we talk about him anything comes up there's always a mention of him like even my mom like she gets you know uh, something sees in me and said don't be like a dad don't be like <laughs> so that that thing happens so that is the beauty of thing you know yeah. that person is always there with always you. there with yeah they are always there with you they are not around you but that yeah, doesn't mean their values 
if, it, if there are parents, the values, the love, their blessings are not there. I can feel it. I can even today, yeah. I, if I if I go to an interview, so recently I had my promotional interview with uh, my uh, senior uh, colleague. Uh, they are they are maybe just in another yeah. dimension or something, but we can yeah, feel exactly. their presence. Yeah, exactly. So so. Uh, like I said, like I had my uh, like promotional meeting and everything comes up big in my life. So I always take this blessing. Like I take my mom, my uh, mom please stay for me. So I go, I talk to my dad. I don't have to go in front of him, photo and say. Yeah. But he's always in my mind. Like dad, you know, you have to take this for me. So, and one thing is for sure, what I miss him is, you know, after I, I was, I was 25 at that point of time. When I lost him, so I was 25. So at that point of time, I have I was undergoing a lot of change in my life. Also, I was entering my career and all. Mm-hmm. So at that point of time, I missed him a lot because I knew he was that kind of a guide for me. You know, uh, yeah. when you after 25, you take big decisions of your life and right. you know you actually grow up and and you want your dad to see okay you're growing up. Mm-hmm. So I knew that part, but again, when I am any in any situation. I always think what he used to do. So if I'm in any situation, I want to take a decision, I would think like what if dad was here, what he would do. Mm. So that is how you keep them alive. So I think that's what has helped us. And uh, yes, that's the story. I'm very sure he must be very proud of you. Wherever he is, he must be very proud of you. For the courage that every day that for the courage that you're putting up, he must be very proud of you. Yeah, he must be. Yeah, I know he must be because uh, he was very uh, you know, that is something I miss. You know, seeing him proud. So this is a, this is a pain you only have. Like, you know, I, when you that you wanted to show him, show that you can yeah. do th- things, but now when yeah. you are doing it and he's not around, I understand it. Yeah, but again, I think uh, he must be somewhere, and I have that faith. And obviously, my mom is there, so he used to say, he used to tell me, like even even when he was sick and he used to talk, and he used to say this thing, son. He had a very you know funda, like his, his funda was like there are two categories of things. If there is a problem, there are two categories of problems. Mm-hmm. Problem A is something where you can do something, right? Problem A. So you think about it, you worry about it, you brainstorm on it. And there's problem B where you can't do anything. But mm-hmm. problem is there. So you said, I always avoid a problem, I don't even think about it. Let's just chug it. So that's what he said, if you follow this one, just do what you can do, just do what you can do, just put water in So if you can't do something about it, don't do so. This is something which I learned from him, and that's what he said even when he was in, uh, going through this uh, treatment. He said, "See, we are doing whatever we can, whatever is in our own hands, and whatever we are doing, we are doing the best." Exactly. Okay. This is what we could have done. Exactly. There is nothing to regret. There is nothing to regret. Blame, and there is nothing to have a, that kind of thing. Okay, do you want to do it? You know, these things mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Many people they go into several what would I have done this? What could I have done that? So he said, we should not live on this. This is not something you, you would have done. You, you, you will be going ahead. You are just putting yourself back. You won't be going ahead in your life. So it's very important that you move on. 
So it's always important you do something. What right and what is wrong? It's not something we can decide. It's, it's it is something which is not in your hands, especially in such cases. Right. But it's important that you do something. You you rise up to the occasion and you do something. It's not in just be natural. That's something you should not do. But you you should be doing something. So he said, like whatever you have in your place, invest that. So he said, like whatever happens to me, make sure you take care of your mom. Hmm. You know. She uh, she's not that strong as me, and she you she will need your support. And since I will not be around, you have to take care of my lady. You know that kind of thing. So responsibilities. So, responsibilities exactly. So this is something. So this is something uh, which I'm proud of. You know, doing. I think, uh, uh, and this is the reason why I also doing that. Uh, you know, we I I am going still going to the support group meeting because I think. Uh, whenever I go there, even in the weekend, because I'm a working professional, so I work uh, like uh, I have a Monday to Friday. I'm already booked up, but uh, this I'm uh, part of this NGO where we are formed. This so there are few people who are actively working on it, but I'm not that active. But yes, I go to support meetings in like let's say every two three months. They have mm-hmm. uh, these support meetings, support group meetings, and I just go there and I set an outline and to do anything that I can do for them. You know, uh, in helping them out with counseling and helping them out. You know, they have or in aims. I would say there are a lot of patients who come from very far flung areas. They are coming from very remote areas. Mm-hmm. They don't have access to anything. They don't have access to information. They are they are not that yeah. well educated people who can Google out and you know check it out themselves. What is going happening? What are the mm-hmm. hospitals are there? So you know, helping out those people. You know, making them learn like how important the treatment is and where you should go and. You know, counseling them like uh, you know, speaking to them how it's important to see that positivity. So I appreciate it. Like you know, whatever you guys are also doing. So uh, I had a word with even Dimple. Like uh, uh, I, I, she called. I called. She called me, and you know, we had a conversation. And we, I made, and I was very happy with the way she, uh, she is running the organization. When so was I'm this? also uh, your founder. Yeah. No. When was this? Uh, it was I don't remember. It was like six months back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was six months back. I would say so. Yeah, when she started, and I saw her, you know, LinkedIn. I saw the page, and I mm-hmm. and I really liked the idea that like you guys are counseling and all this sort of things are happening. Yeah. But I'm happy that uh, you guys uh, are reaching out and sharing stories. Yeah. And I think this this will give a lot of yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you attend any healing circles? Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't. I haven't attended any. Yes, so, uh, uh, due to this lockdown, we used to uh, mm. uh, have this healing circle events at our center. But due to this lockdown, we have started doing virtual healing circles mm-hmm. like webinars. Mm-hmm. So, I think if you are free, uh, please do attend it once. It happens every Sunday, five p.m. Okay. So if you are free any weekend, please do attend that because mm-hmm. yeah, you know you are really optimist, uh, a optimistic person, and you can inspire other people. Like the thing you told me back about, uh, there are uh, I talk to cancer patients and their family members on a daily basis, okay. and I see mm-hmm. that many, a lot of people are always 
Yeah, it was really nice talking to you.